conversation. Sounds quite romantic, you might think. Tying the knot before striking out together on this path they had both aspired towards. The shared ambitions they had studied so hard to realise. But here's the thing. Somewhere along the path of that final year, they decided that my father would pursue his medical career and my mother would be a housewife. She wasn't up the duff, by the way. I could at least have got my head around that. I didn't come along for a couple of years yet. My mother strove to get the A-levels she needed in order to get accepted for medicine, studied a further five pitiless years, passed her exams, graduated, then never practised one day as a doctor. Not one single day. It never made any sense to me. She didn't seem cumulatively frustrated by this as the years went on. I mean, I could have related to it all better had she been hitting the gin by mid-afternoon in her late thirties, as her kids needed her less, and she wondered where her life had drained away to. Not that she seemed particularly contented, either. She was just there. Smiling, but not cheery. Caring, but not warm. Dependable, but not inspiring. I didn't see it for a long time because I grew up with it, and because it was a hard thing to accept, but at some time around my late teens, I realised that my mother had almost no personality. As I matured into adulthood, what increasingly bothered me about this, and about the choice she had made in final year, was the question of whether my father had subjugated her, turning a bright young woman into a compliant drone, or whether he had, in fact, recognised that compliance, that lack of personality, and identified it as precisely what he was looking for in a life partner. For my mother's part, I wondered, was she happy to surrender her autonomy, to be annexed like some colonial dependency? Or had her natural timidity made her vulnerable to the manipulations of someone who turned out to be more domineering than she had initially apprehended? I didn't even know which explanation I would prefer to be true. There certainly weren't any clues on display in what I witnessed of their relationship. As a child, I thought they were everything a married couple should be. My father would come home to find my mother in the kitchen, calmly preparing dinner, and would peck her on the cheek and call her, Dearest Darling, which was sometimes abbreviated to, Dee Dee. There never seemed to be any strife, no raised voices, no unspoken words, no simmering tension, no passion, no hunger, no chemistry, no spark. Dinner was beautiful, dearest darling, thank you. My pleasure, always. Even as a child, something about their exchanges chimed wrong, though I was too young to identify what and why. It was only as I got older that I came to understand what my instincts were telling me was off about this. It was like a phoned-in performance, a cargo cult imitation of intimacy by two people who had seen this behaviour elsewhere and sought to replicate it as a form of civil convention. Even once I had grasped this much,
I still simply assumed that all married couples were like this with each other, that every husband and every wife behaved in a polite, friendly way they didn't really mean, as we do in so many other areas of our lives. I was the apple of his eye. You should note the capitals. This noun was proper. It was not how he saw me, but what he called me. How's the apple of my eye this evening? Or, when he was feeling solicitous, merely apple. What's wrong, apple? Aren't you feeling hungry this evening? My younger brothers were proudly addressed as Number One Son and Number Two Son, except when they were in trouble. I always knew that there was mischief afoot and a spike in the domestic temperature if I heard my father address them.